Okay, Hilchas Edus Laws of Testimony, Chapter 11, continuing the discussion and conversation about different types of people who are, who are disqualified from testifying. They're Pasal Edus. Misha Eni Mikra, a person who's not familiar, does not study the written or the, or the Tanakh, the written Torah, he doesn't study the oral Torah, nor does he have an occupation, he doesn't have something he's involved with as a, <clears throat> as a job, basically, or, uh, or uh, you could say uh, volunteer work, some normal societal contribution to society. We work with the working assumption that this person, until proven otherwise, is assumed to be a sinner. And therefore, he's possible, he's disqualified from testifying rabbinically. Now, he's not disqualified biblically until we see him do a certain transgression. But the Chachamim said, we're, we're going to work with the assumption that he's a sinner, he's a transgressor, and therefore, until proven otherwise, we're going to not let him testify. Anybody who's descended to that level, where he's not involved, neither in reading the Tillin, let's say, the Tanakh, the written, he doesn't even read the scriptures, the, the written Torah, the Tanakh, nor does he study Torah, <clears throat> oral Torah, and he's not involved in any kind of societal contribution. He simply you know, hangs around and does nothing, right? smokes weed or whatever it is. We're going to work with the assumption that he will uh, transgress most sinners that come to his hand. And therefore, the point being that a, the person who's a, a sinner is disqualified from testifying. But more acutely, we're worried that he will accept a bribe to testify falsely. Because of his, uh, you know, poor uh, value system. Beis therefore, a person who is a amaharitz ignorant person doesn't read scripture, doesn't read the, the written Torah, doesn't study the oral Torah. You don't establish, you don't set him up to testify, to observe an episode, to be the witness to a marriage ceremony or to a loan or to anything. Nor do we receive and let him testify. Unless we can be certain that despite the fact he doesn't study Torah, neither written nor oral Torah, he is, is involved in Derech Eretz, in the sense that he does the mitzvahs, he's involved in acts of kindness, he conducts himself appropriately, and he has normal, normal uh, societal uh, interactions. Then we do uh, accept his testimony, um, we let him testify if he wants to testify, he says he knows, he, can, he knows what happened, he says what happened, uh, even though he's an ignorant person, he doesn't have the qualifications of studying the written or oral Torah. Remember, we started off the, the previous halacha by saying he, that person does not study the written Torah or the oral Torah, nor does he involve any kind of societal contribution, he's disqualified. So if a person we, if a person we know is a, a Torah scholar, he obviously is okay. The question, if he's not a Torah scholar... So he doesn't have the first two conditions, but if he's lacking the third one, he's disqualified for testimony. So if this person who's an Amoritz, a person does not involve in Torah in any fashion. But he does mitzvahs. So if we know he at least has Derech Eretz, which is, in this context means he's involved in societal contribution, which the Ramam here expounds upon to include not just having, uh, you know, being, being productive as a member of society, but also being productive as a Jew, doing Torah, doing, doing mitzvahs, you know, acts of kindness. So then we can accept him if he testifies. It sounds like the Ramam is saying we accept his testimony if he testifies, but you still would not want to have him ideally designated as a witness. Ideally, you want a person who's a Torah scholar to be designated as a witness. It's just that if something happened, 
my ox scored your ox, and the two ignorant people were standing there, we let them testify. But you wouldn't, if you want to make a loan, and we sit down to write a document, you don't call two people who are Marasim to, to, to be the witnesses. You ideally call two people who are, who learn around them every day, right? People who are, you know, involved in Torah. Okay, Gimel. The Nitzayi it turns out, you call Tamil Chacham, every Torah scholar, Bechas Kasher is presumed until otherwise proven to be a kosher witness, actually apostle, until something d- develops that questions his credibility. We call Amaretz any person who is not involved in Torah. Amaretz usually means someone who is ignorant, but in this case, again, it means somebody who doesn't choose to bother studying written Torah or oral Torah. The Chaska apostle, he's assumed to be not, dis- not qualified, disqualified, excuse me, disqualified for witnesses, unless it can be proven that he, despite being not involved in Torah study, walks the right path, so to speak, and he's involved in the positive societal things as a person as a, and as a Jew. Even though our sages say that every Jew is becheskas kashos, presumed to be kosher, until proven otherwise, that means that we're not going to, we don't assume he transgressed unless we have evidence. But it doesn't mean that he's assumed to be kosher for testimony, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's, that's a higher level. All right, Dalit. Anybody who receives and accepts the testimony of a person who's not involved in any kind of Torah study, before we without without being sure that 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 he's at least involved in some kind of societal positive place, Torah excuse me mitzvahs in the Mesechadim, or or before witnesses come and testify that this person is at least involved. Um, uh, uh, involved in positive uh, social uh, interactions, right? And there are and, and, and he has a job, and he gives tzedakah, etc. So, the judge is considered a simpleton. Because either this, in order to, to allow an Am Ha'aretz, a person who's not involved in Torah study to testify, you, have to, you either have to have people who vouch his credibility, or it has to be a well-known fact that he does this, right? You have people who are well-known. There's no witnesses. We don't need witnesses. It's known. This guy is, doesn't study Torah ever, but he has a job, gives tzedakah, right? He helps the old lady cross the street. He's a person who's, who's, who's a positive social person, right? But it, otherwise, you have to treat him as a disqualified witness. And this judge is going to have to answer to Hashem, so to speak, in his day of judgment for accepting his testimony. He's ultimately going to cause people to have to uh, lose money, pay money where it would not be warranted based on testimony of these people who are transgressors. People who are very debased, you know, don't have any, don't have any shame, you might say. Mm-hmm. Disqualified them to testify. They call, the, they call them here based people that are disqualified. Yeah, so based or debased. So they're disqualified, rabbinically. Again, not biblically because biblically they didn't do anything wrong. They haven't done any formal transgressions. Mm-hmm. But what is a person who acts in a way that has no shame that we say this person has no shame? One of the fundamental things, it seems, that makes a person necessary to testify is a sense of a sense of shame that he knows if he's unmasked as a liar, it'll be embarrassing. No one likes that experience. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have that. So what's his? What's the uh, uh, negative reinforcement that would that would have have him? Uh, you know, or uh, positive reinforcement, whatever that would have him. Uh, that would have him not, not wanting to do this. The hey, who are these people who are who are uh, who are so de- who are so debased? People who eat public in the marketplace. Before all kinds of people, they walk and they, and they eat in, in public. And similarly, people who, uh, 
so mind you, someone who, who goes to the marketplace eating casually, exposing himself to other people's view, right? As opposed to somebody who eats, like sits down in a corner where it's not like he's not trying to show off that he's eating. So even though it's technically speaking in public, but it's in like a designated corner, like, you know, these outdoor restaurants, you know, that's, that's not considered eating in the shuk, I don't think. I mean, at least not according to what the Kesef Mishnah says. But a guy who's walking in public, you know, in the street and, and, uh, and eating, close. yeah, e- e- or eating, eating, right? That's, that's first of all. The great Yilash HaHechem Merun B'Shuk, or simply somebody who walks naked. Well, in this case, it doesn't mean obviously completely naked. That would mean somebody who, uh, who, who, who has mental capacity problems. But he's walking, you know, basically almost naked in the marketplace of Halbeishen, because he's being involved in some kind of, you know, a dirty, uh, dirty activity. Uh, literally, so he's dig- let's say he's, dig- he's digging, digging, uh, digging ditches, right? Mm-hmm. For a construction company. But he doesn't want to get his clothing dirty. So he does it, you know, in public, just wearing nothing but his shorts. That's considered... A base person. Okay, so it's a So these type of people have no consideration for the way they're viewed by other people negatively. These people are considered like dogs, so to speak, in the sense that a dog doesn't isn't worried about isn't worried about social anxiety, right? Dogs don't care how you look at them, right? They do what they gotta do. And therefore, it would not be be uh, averse testifying falsely because if they, if they get caught, they get caught. You know, they don't care. And uh, also in the same category of people who have no shame, people who benefit from charity, giving it, giving it out by non-Jews, by idolatrous non-Jews, or by non-Jews in general, publicly. In other words, they have the ability, despite the fact they could theoretically speaking do the same thing by taking the money privately, right, without the whole, everyone, everyone knowing, they embarrass themselves to take the money in public from the non-Jews. They don't worry about the fact that it, look, it reflects negatively on them, on the Jewish people, that over the fact that the Jews aren't willing or don't, or don't have the ability to support them. These are all disqualified rabbinically. So a person who takes charity in public from a Gentile, he doesn't have to be. He could take the charity secretly, but instead doesn't bother to take it secretly. He takes it publicly. That's also considered somebody who has no shame. Vav. Okay. Now, is there a practical difference between when a witness is disqualified biblically or rabbinically? Right? Do we have to know? Or is it sufficient to know that this guy is disqualified from testifying biblically or rabbinically? Who cares? Ramah says, no, it is important to know where the disqualification comes from. If someone is disqualified biblically for any one of the reasons we said before, so for example, he transgressed a... Uh, he, you know, a, a, a sin, and he and he and he's uh, been. Uh, it's been known of that. So, in such a person, his testimony is nullified. Despite the fact that his te- his his invalidation was not publicized in the synagogues and study halls, right? So, fact is, the Torah says he's disqualified. So, if it comes to light that um, that the person who I used as a witness for my marriage ceremony, or for the loan I gave someone, was actually somebody who was not Shabbos observant. We just didn't know about it because he was a guest in town. Retroactively, that whole, the, the testimony is nullified. Right? That's a problem. That's because the, the Perik That's because the disqualification is biblical. However, if it's a rabbinic prohibition, because it's the, it's the, the rabbis, the Sanhedrin, who, dis, who, who disqualified him, they also put a criteria on disqualification. They said, 
that he's only disqualified if it's public knowledge. He's been already been announced, right? The, you know, it was a common practice apparently to publicize. So and so is, you know, people needed witnesses. Every time there was a, con, there was a wedding, every time there was a, a, a business deal, this guy and this guy are, are disqualified, right? The Ficha, therefore, if they testified in any manner before it was publicized about them, the Kabbalah is, so then, then at least after the fact, we accept it as legitimate. The Chachamim instituted it that way, so not to have the people lose their rights and abilities to rely on the witnesses. They had no idea they were disqualified. And the disqualification is only, so to speak, quote-unquote, only rabbinic. And therefore the Chachamim had the, had the rights to say, okay, until it's public knowledge, we're not going to disqualify him this way. The guy who didn't know any better used him for whatever purpose, we'll let it stand. If it's public knowledge, you just didn't bother reading the sign on the wall with the picture of the name of the guy who's not, who's, uh, not supposed to be used as a witness. Well, that's your problem. In that case, the testimony is nullified. Zion. We had this before. One witness is believed to, to qualify and say that, uh, for example, this piece of meat is not kosher. Or it is kosher, right? For example. Right? Even though this is the one individual who is disqualified for other testimonies. Because the whole concept of one aid, of this concept of being known, be a certain belief to say that this meat is not kosher, or if there's two pieces of meat and you confuse them, and he says, No, I know which one is kosher, not kosher. You believe him, that's kosher, you can rely on him, all that. Even he's somebody who you would not accept as a witness in other matters. Why? Seemingly, if he's disqualified as a witness, why is he acceptable over here? The halacha is, the Ramam says, that if a person who is a, 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 a sinner, who's not believed to testify for whatever matter is, he's not, let's say, let's say he's not Shabbos observant. If he shechs an animal, and assumingly we know he's, a, he, as far as shechita goes, he's, we have no reason to doubt him, he's like, he's a shechit. Except he, he stopped keeping Shabbos. If he shechs it, and he tells you it's a good shechita, shechita is a the shechita is kosher, and he's believed to say, halacha shechakta, I shechted according to halacha. We're not talking about somebody who in general is questioned to eat non-kosher meat. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me. Um, um, or he's, not, he's, 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 well, maybe even that he may be, but he's not, he's not um, uh, a su- suspect to, 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 to slaughter meat and say it's kosher when it's really not. That's the point. Maybe he is, he, even he eats non-kosher meat. The point is, is that he doesn't, he, he, he shechted it, and he's saying, it's kosher, you can eat it. You can, you can believe him. Now, I wouldn't recommend eating the shechita. That's for personal reasons. But if someone chooses to eat that meat, you have no right to prosecute him for eating non-kosher meat. Because as far as you know, technically it's kosher. It was shechted by a Jew who knows how to shecht, who says it's kosher, and you can believe him. Despite the fact he might not be Shomer Shabbos. However, somebody who is suspect regarding a specific matter, he's not believed about his, about, regarding himself, but, but but to say that you know that uh, like this for example this guy who shechs meat and sometimes says it's kosher he says this time I promise I <laughs> I promise I shechted correctly you don't, don't, don't believe him he's believed regarding other people the truth is actually even for, even even for other people might be believed when it comes to shechitas we'll see now a person who's suspect regarding a certain topic he has the right to be a judge if you appoint him or accept him or testify regarding other people. It's a chazaka, an assumption, a person will not sin till other people should benefit. Maybe he'll sin because he can't hold himself back from sinning. But to sin for someone else, what's the purpose, right? Why does he have to gain? Unless he's a person who's resentful and he has trauma and something else, right? But, case of example, 
Nemer, for example. An Amhar is a person who is not involved in Torah study. Usually, Amhar means ignorant. Here, it means somebody who doesn't take any time to study Torah. And such a person is, generally speaking, not trusted to say when he sells you or gives you produce, he, can't, he says, I took Truma, I took Maisa. He's not believed regarding the Maisa, only regarding the Truma. Right? But he says, Paris plugging to come him. Those produce of that guy's, they have been corrected, they've been taken. Truma, Maisa, he's believed. On his own produce, you don't trust him. Right, so, the, so so so. For example, a person in this example, right, the kohanim would sometimes the bechor, the firstborn animal, goes to the kohen. If it's a animal with no blemish, you bring it as a carbon, and the kohen eats it. If it has a blemish, you give it to the kohen for free. He just eats it as a regular animal. Now the kohen has to eat it. He's not allowed to give it as a gift or sell it. Right, but a kohen who is a suspect to, to uh, selling the meat from a bechor, which again is is the, it's not hectic because the animal was born with let's say missing a foot for example, right? So so uh, if he's suspect of doing that, he's believed to say this other kain who's also suspect of selling bechor meat, trust him. This time you can trust him. That's that meat is kosher. He says my meat's also not bechor meat. <coughs> that you can't trust him. The other guy, now even if they say about each other, there's also, there's also a way that you can believe them both, as long as it doesn't look, look like they're in cahoots, right? So, 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 that's, so that's the point, is a person who's suspect to transgress is believed for somebody else. And therefore, Eid Echad is Nehmen B'Sudrin, even though he's possible to be an Eid. The Chayn Kalkaitz B'Sad B'Sad B'Sudrin, similarly applies to other types of transgressors. Because a person... Is, is afraid a wicked person doesn't want to have somebody else transgress for no reason but when it comes to money however they don't have a problem causing someone else to lose money so therefore even though I would never tell you that that non-kosher meat is kosher because what I have to gain out of it but maybe I would tell you that I, I would be willing however to cause you to lose money in court by testifying falsely so I don't have a problem causing you to lose money I do have a problem causing you to eat non-kosher meat. That my conscience won't let me do. Right? That's that's the what uh, what the, the the principle of the matter over here. So our example, the shaykhit, for example, right? A shaykhit who's been um, uh, exposed to somebody who shechs meat and, and sells non-kosher meat as kosher meat because he shechs with let's say a disqualified knife or whatever. You could believe him if he says that guy he's a good shaykh, You can trust his meat. You can you can, you know you it, or uh, sorry more, more specifically. Someone else, you have no idea who he is, shechs, and this guy says that meat was shechted correctly, you can choose to believe him if you want to. Test. Malcha Yisrael, the Jewish kings, as opposed to the Malcha, the kings of the kingdom of Judea, which basically, the Ramam is talking about something which happened before his times, and not relevant to Halacha in his times, but he means the concept of a Jewish king who is not subservient to the Sanhedrin. So they're known to be, you know, tough characters. Loimi Yitnin, you don't testify again. Loimi, they cannot testify. You can't testify against them. You can't testify against them because because they're bullies. bullies. They don't listen to the Sanhedrin, so we don't bother bringing them to court in the first place. And therefore, apparently, they can't be cautioned to testify either. The high priest is also high position. And I guess that I was talking about even the Bayashani. The Kohen God was often a political person who bought the office with money. Ma'idin the love, you could testify against him. Ma'id, Hula, Melech, Bebez, and Gadol. And he also is kosher to be a witness, however, for his honor, 
Nobody has the right to make him testify. Usually if a Jewish person knows testimony for another Jew, you must testify. Unless, you're judging Talmud Chacham, that the Bezin is lower than you in stature, as we learned, or you're the king Gadol, and you're, it's not appropriate for you to testify on behalf of anyone else except for the, the king. And even there, it's only in the Sanhedrin. Okay, so the king Gadol, you could testify against him, right? You lent him money, doesn't pay you back? Bring him to Bezin. The Sanhedrin it has to be. And if the king wants to, you know, if there's an issue, the king needs someone to testify on his behalf, and the king Gadol is the one who saw what happened, the king can have him testify. Good. Hamaisrim, people who hand Jews over to non-Jewish authorities, whatever reason. Bapikursin, Jews who reject basic fundamental principles of Judaism, like prophecy, the oneness of Hashem, Hashem's awareness, etc., the, the, the eternity of the Torah, the Amumorim and Jewish, <laughs> Jews, Jews, bless you. So Jews who, okay, that's one way of saying it, but basically it means Jews who um, formally renounce their, their, their Judaism, chas v'shalom. So, the Chachamim don't mention them among the list of those who are disqualified to testify. But they wasn't, they, not because they could testify, but because it was unnecessary. They only chose, they only felt that it was necessary to testify people who are in the category of Israel who are transgressors. Those who rebel against Hashem deliberately and deny the basic principles of Judaism, they're even considered worse than idolatrous non Jews. An idolatrous non Jew, we don't have an obligation necessarily to save their life. If they are, let's say, drowning, for example, because they're idolatrous, as opposed to a, a Jew who keeps a non-Jew keeps seven laws of Neuch, nor do we have a right to cause them to die. And those non-Jews, in this case, obviously not talking about idolatrous non-Jews, non-Jews who were, who uh, keep the seven laws of Neuch, they have a portion of what to come. However, these type of people, the Jews who turn their back on the Jewish community, they are, you're supposed to cause, circumvent events to cause them to die in the event that uh, you can. Nor do you save them if they're dying. They do not have a portion of what to come. And therefore, it's obvious that if they're lower, if they're lower than a guy, and a guy is disqualified to testify, certainly these types of individuals are disqualified to testify. It's the obvious, which need not be stated, says it, says Ramam.